You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Koop. They were talking about, I have a hope. Paul gave them a great letter. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, but that letter was for us as well. He gave a message that you are chosen. You are adopted. You have an inheritance. You have an incredible hope. And today's message is on that. Hope is powerful. Actually, without it, your faith doesn't work. The writer to the Hebrew says, faith is a substance of things hoped for. So if you don't have hope, faith doesn't work. The Bible says faith, hope, and love, those three, the greatest is love, but it's a key for our faith to work. And Paul in this letter is praying for them that they really get a strong revelation of what they can put their hope into. Alfred Adler, he was a psychologist, a psychiatrist. He said, hope is a foundational quality of all change. We can't change for the better. We can't have a victory in our life if we don't have a hope. These football teams that are playing this afternoon, if they don't even hope to win, how many know they have no chance of winning? But you, gotta, you have to have a hope that you'll hold that cup in your hand. If you don't have a hope for that, you may as well quit. In our faith, if we don't have hope, our faith won't work. John Maxwell, a great teacher of leaders, said this, if there is hope in the future, there's power in the present. Great word. King David had this to say, I would have lost heart, I would have lost hope, unless... I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He'll strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And maybe that's a word for some of you this morning. You're thinking, God, where are you? And you feel like giving up hope. The word would be, don't give up hope. Wait on the Lord. Your answer's coming. Stay in faith. Wait on the Lord. Our text, Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, it's there in your notes. We're going to take time to read this passage this morning. We read, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now remember, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. Paul was there. He taught them for about three years. Timothy was there. Apollos came and taught them. John, the beloved, one of the disciples, he ended up going back to Ephesus. They had an incredible, gifted group of leaders in that church. There were some very mature believers in that church, and yet Paul says, I keep praying for you. What we learn from that is you never outgrow the need for prayer. No matter how long you've been a Christian, you may have done the Alpha course, you may have gone on a missions trip, you may have memorized the Bible, you may have done all kinds of things, you may have graduated from Bible school. We all still need prayer for our lives. We never arrive. We continue to learn and grow in God. And Paul's like, I'm going to keep praying for you that you keep growing. Well, what's he asking for? He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's a spirit so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart, your heart has eyes, Your head's got eyes in it, but your heart has eyes. He said, I'm praying for your heart eyes. The eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. We have an inheritance in Christ. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Jesus is seated in the heavenly realms. God appointed him there. You know, Jesus never has to be reelected. 
government officials has to be reelected. The mayor got reelected. You know, the prime minister gets elected again. But you don't have to reelect Jesus. It's been appointed for time and eternity. He's always going to be in that office. Not only in this age, but the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet, appointed him to be head over everything for the church, that'd be us, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Three simple points today. Number one, Paul prayed that they would grow in their personal relationship with Christ. The word you want to put in the blank is the word personal. He said, you guys know him, but... I'm praying that you're not satisfied. I pray that you continue to grow in your personal walk with God. It's possible for us to come to know the Lord, and we're really excited about him. Maybe we found the Lord at an alpha course, or maybe we found the Lord. Somebody shared it, faith with us, and we got excited. Man, what a difference. We began to read the Bible. We went to a life group, whatever. We got really excited. It's possible for our Christianity to kind of fade. That's why the Lord said, you know, don't lose your first love. He says, I have this against you. You, you've, you don't think you need anything anymore. You've gotten lukewarm. And Paul's praying here that their personal relationship with him would stay on fire, would stay alive. That's why he says in Ephesians 1.17, reading it in a different translation, I pray that the glorious Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him better. Paul had written two-thirds of the New Testament, had experienced all kinds of miracles, had started all kinds of churches. He was academic. He was, he, was, he was a practitioner. He was all those things, had done so many incredible things. He's, he suffered a lot of things, was in prison, but yet to the Philippians, he writes, oh, that I would know him and know him better. After all he experienced, the great apostle Paul says, I got to get to know Jesus better. I don't know anybody who knew Jesus as well as he did, but he still said, I got to know him better. This is how it reads in the Philippians, or in the, the Message Bible, Philippians 3, 8 to 10. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once had, I thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog dung. I was reading the Message Bible, dog dung. Is that really in there? Dog dung. So I got my Greek dictionary. I thought, is that really say dung in the Greek? So I went back. It really says dung in the Greek. So now we may have other words in our vernacular, but Paul's saying dog dung. He's, I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I don't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules. When I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness, I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know him personally, experience his resurrection power, being a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. So first of all, Paul's praying for them. I pray that your eyes would be open, that you get to know Jesus better. I think that's the prayer we pray for people that don't know Jesus. We pray, God, I pray that their eyes would be enlightened. Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, Satan comes and he blinds people's eyes so they can't see Jesus. I'm convinced that if you, if you see Jesus for who he really is, it's a no-brainer. Everybody wants Jesus. You just have to have the veil taken away. And sometimes it's a religious veil. It's the stained glass that gets put over Jesus. And, but you, you take that away or misinformation about Jesus. But if you see Jesus for who he really is, wow, what an incredible Savior, Lord to follow. And Paul prayed, I pray that your eyes be open to see the greatness of God. 
Sometimes we don't realize all that we have in him. We often are praying for people that are sick, that aren't well. And before we pray for them, I found that it's better to pray that their eyes would be open to, to the fact that Jesus is a healer. He went about healing all that were oppressed by the devil. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says, I'm the Lord your God. I don't change. So sometimes I pray, God, give them a revelation that your name is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Or if they're having trouble in their life, we pray, Lord, enlighten them. They'll, they'll see that you are, you're the God of peace. You're Jehovah Shalom. Give them a revelation of who you are. And this is what Paul's praying to this church in Ephesus. He's praying, I pray you get to know him better and better. We'll never exhaust getting to know Jesus. And Paul encourages them, keep getting to know him. So that's the first thing, get to know Jesus. Number two, uh, Paul is praying for them that they would know the possessions that they have in Christ. So the second word, if you're filling in the blanks, is the word possession. Ephesians 1.18 says, then you will have deeper insight you will know the confidence that he calls you to have and the glorious wealth that God's people will inherit. In the beginning part of this chapter, he says, you have an inheritance, you're adopted, you're chosen. He goes through a list of things, and he ends the chapter again by saying, I'm praying that you get a revelation of this. And one of the revelations is a revelation of the possessions that we have in Christ. Last week, again, we talked quite a bit about it when we talked about our inheritance. It's just a down payment, really. We have a lot, but you know what Paul says? It's just a down payment. The King James says it's been given in earnest, earnest money. If you have a real estate transaction, they'll say, can I have some earnest money? Earnest means money that you put down on something, and you know that there's more to come. So if I give a down payment on a house, then that means I'm going to be paying the rest later. And all that we have in God today, the Holy Spirit, all the benefits, the covenant that was made for us, it's fantastic, but it's just the down payment. So if you got a down payment of a house and it was, let's say you put down 5%, you know there's a lot more to come. And God's going to come through it. The business transaction, so to speak, is in process. And we have so much more to come. That's what Paul's speaking about. We will one day have a resurrected body. The older you get, the better the news that is. <laughs> you wait, when I get to heaven, I'm going to do what I used to do. <laughs> right now, I just got the down payment, you know. But there's a new heavens, a new earth, a new body. What we're experiencing now is just a glimpse of what's to come. And this is fantastic. And sometimes we don't even realize what we have here. We, and Paul's praying, oh, I pray you get a revelation of what you have. One time I was flying into Edmonton, Alberta, landed there, and I'm standing by that conveyor belt, all the luggage comes out, and maybe you've been there, you're watching, and you're watching, and everybody else picks up their luggage, and there's two pieces left, and those two pieces aren't yours, and you have that sinking feeling, they lost my luggage. So I go over to the counter, I say, my luggage didn't show up. Oh, Mr. Cooper, so sorry, you lost your luggage. It'll be with you in a couple of days. It's all great. I wasn't really dressed for the meetings I had the next morning. Next morning, I have a meeting, a presentation to make. It's one of those meetings, folks, you have to wear the suit and tie, and image is a lot. You know, if you are in sales or you're doing presentations, you can make or break it by that first impression. And so I go to that meeting the next morning. I'm wearing jeans and boots and... Uh, a belt with a big buckle. I was living in Alberta, okay? 
And so I go to that meeting, and of course they look at me, and it's like, oh, I feel so aware that I'm not really dressed for the occasion, but I made my presentation, it didn't go so well, and uh, the next day, sure enough, my luggage came, but by that time, I'm done business. I fly back, and I'm meeting with my coworkers, and they said, how did it go in Edmonton, Coop? And I said, oh, you know, it didn't go so good, I, I lost, the airline lost my luggage, and it showed up just before I came back here. They said, well, did you go shopping? I go, no, I didn't go shopping. I got clothes at home. Why would I go shopping? They said, well, did you buy your clothes with your credit card? I go, yeah. I mean, not your clothes, your airline ticket with your credit card. I said, yes. They said, well, what kind of card do you have? So I told them. They said, Dave, your card, you can buy $1,000 of clothes if you've lost your luggage, if it didn't show up on time. I said, you're kidding. I said, no. So I went back and I, I, I looked in my visa and I realized my eyes of understanding did not realize that I could go shopping and buy $1,000 worth of clothes because my luggage was lost. Some of you are just saying, hey. <laughs> so the next time I was in Lloydminster, Alberta, luggage didn't show up. Guess what I did? I found the best men's store in Lloydminster, Alberta, and I went shopping. And I spent $1,000 on clothes and uh, realized that I had benefits. Paul's praying, you guys, realize in Christ you have incredible possessions. I pray your eyes be open to see what you have in Christ. Yeah. The Amplified Bible says this way, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope that he's called you and how rich is his inheritance in the saints. Your eyes can have 20-20 vision, but how many know if you turn off the lights and there's absolutely no light, even with 20-20 vision, you can't see what you have? And our understanding, we could have an IQ of 150, but if there's no spiritual light, no spiritual wisdom and revelation shining on spiritual truths, you can't see it. It's spiritually caught. Spiritual eyes need to have God's light shining on a truth, and then you go, uh-huh, Wow. It's spiritually caught with eyes of your spirit. So Paul prays, I pray that your eyes would see what you have in Christ, what possessions we have in him. Third thing that he prayed for, number one was personal relationship. Number two was for a revelation of the possessions that we have, what we've inherited in Christ. And number three, he prayed that understand the power of Christ. Verse 19, it says, you will also know the unlimited greatness of his power as it works with might and strength for us the believers unlimited unlimited means unlimited no limit on it i don't know how many horsepower your car has but it's limited it's only got so much horsepower i don't know how much you can bench press or how many push-ups you can do but there's a limit to it there's a limit to our power there is not a limit to god's power it's unlimited power to us the King James Version, I like the way it says, the King James Version reads this way. Now, uh, and what is exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? It's, it's directed usward. So if you look skyward, can you see God's in unlimited power? Can you see the expanse of the universe? If you read about the Hubble telescope and they see the, the hugeness of our universe, does that speak of God's unlimited power? I think so. 
You know, you count with a naked eye 7,000 stars. But if you look into the Milky Way galaxy, they tell us that there's about 100, 100 billion orbiting stars. And our Milky Way, just one of many, is 100,000 light years in diameter. I mean, our minds go tilt, tilt. We can't even compute that. We can't, we can't get our head around that. It, it is unlimited. So we look skyward and we see this unlimited power of God. If you look earthward, you see unlimited power. You see the creation. You see what God's done here as far as the number of species of plants and everything. Wow, there's a designer. It's unlimited. If you study the smallest atom, you think, wow, what incredible power. They tell us if you took a hydrogen atom and you blew it up so it was four miles in diameter, that the nucleus would be the size of a tennis ball. The remainder of the atom is mostly empty space in which electrons travel around that nucleus, making billions of trips every millionth of a second. And their speed makes the atom behave as though it's a solid. That's unlimited power. So if you go earthward, drill really deep, God's greatness. You go skyward, God's greatness. But Paul says here, his unlimited greatness is usward. Selah in the Old Testament means pause and think about it. Paul said, Christ in us, the hope of glory, according to the power that works in us. Remember later on in Ephesians, he says, now unto God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or think according to what? The power that works in us. Skyward see it. Earthward see it. Folks, there's incredible power in us. Now, do you think the enemy wants you to know that? I don't think so. Think the secular world wants you to know that? I don't think so. But Paul's praying, man, I pray your eyes get open to that. Paul didn't spend a lot of time praying for people to get better jobs. He didn't spend a lot of time praying for people to get a bigger house or avoid persecution. Although we can pray for all those things and should, you know what his number one prayer for the people were? I pray you know God. You just need to know Jesus, need to know him better, need to know what you have in him, need to know what power you have in him, because if you've got that, you got enough. Johnny Cash used to sing a song, i got Jesus and that's enough. You can live in Timbuktu or Tuktoyaktuk or any part of the world, and if you have a revelation of who Jesus is, you're going to be okay, because you've got the big guy on your side and his power will flow through you. Thank him for it, yeah, it's absolutely true. We used to play with Hot Wheels when I was growing up. I love Hot Wheels. Any other guys have Hot Wheels? Please help me. Yes. All right, some of you guys had Hot Wheels. And uh, every time we go to the store, I beg my mom for one more Hot Wheels. And Christmas, I wanted Hot Wheels. There was an age, and we had the orange track. Remember the orange track? And you had the little loop and jumps. And we'd put that Hot Wheel track way up there, and I'd, I'd anchor it down. And then I'd get my favorite Hot Wheel car, and you'd stand up, and you'd get that Hot Wheel car right up on the top of the track. And when everything was all lined up, you had, to, you had to click that track into place and get it perfectly straight. And then you'd, you would touch that Hot Wheel and shoo, go down, go through the loop and over the jump, and it'd crash. If it didn't crash, you made it crash. And that was guys, boys are boys, and that's the way we played the Hot Wheels. But when I got into physics, I realized something about that track later on. They said the car at the top has potential energy. 
And the minute you touch it and it rolls down the track, it goes from potential energy to kinetic energy. Every Christian has potential energy. We have potential power in us. And Paul just prays, I pray you get a revelation that that power in you goes from potential to kinetic energy, that you release the power of God that is inside of you. Didn't Jesus say in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall what? Be my witnesses. You know the number one way to push that car off the track and go from potential to kinetic is be a witness. Every time we share our faith with somebody else boldly, we just went from potential to kinetic. We stepped into the power zone. You know, we, we're designed by God to have a hunger for power. Just look at the movies that are playing. You could have the Green Lantern, Spider-Man, Superman, Harry Potter. I mean, every, every month there's a new movie of a new superpower. Why? Because there's a hunger for supernatural power. That's all cotton candy. It's pseudo. It's not the real thing. Paul says, I pray you get a revelation of the true, real, authentic power that you have in you by Christ. There was a lady in our, uh, our young adult group when we were in the States for a year serving there. And one day she came and shared a story with us that really illustrated this to us. She's a single young adult living in an apartment on her second floor apartment. A guy had gone from one balcony up to the second balcony. Her sliding doors were not locked. He came in through the sliding doors, took out a knife, and looked at her and said, I'm going to rape you. And at that moment, something came back to her because the Holy Spirit will bring back to our remembrance that which we've learned. And it brought back to her remembrance the power in the name of Jesus. There's something about the name of Jesus. It's not just a good luck charm we put on the end of our prayers. There's something about the name of Jesus. The early church knew that. And she had been taught about the power of the name of Jesus. And that guy came in and said, I'm going to rape you. And all of a sudden, this came up in her heart. She said, no, you won't in Jesus' name. And he said, no, I am going to rape you. And she said, no, you won't in Jesus' name. And there was this conflict between light and darkness. But how many know light wins? Light dispels darkness. And again, I am going to rape you. No, you won't in Jesus' name. And he looked at her and said, well, what are we going to do? <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah. That's a... She said, well, let me make you a cup of tea. She didn't know what else to do. So she said, sit down. I'll make you a cup of tea. True story. So she sat him down. She made some tea. And she shared Jesus with her, with him. And so for the next 10 minutes, she tells him about the plan of salvation. He doesn't accept the Lord, but after sharing for about 10 minutes, she says, now it's time for you to go. And he said, okay. So she took him to the door, opened the door, <laughs> closed the door. And she said, the minute she closed the door, she began to shake like a leaf. She just shook. She said, I can't believe what I just did. But she said, during that time, there was a cloak of power on me that was something different. See, we have inside of us what the world's hungry for, a supernatural power. You shall receive power. Paul said, there's a power. I pray you have a revelation of this unlimited power. You look skyward, great power. You look to the smallest atom, great power. Paul's saying, there's a power inside of you 
Jesus to create, I mean, and Jesus, Father to create, spoke. But to redeem us, to break the power of death, God had to suffer. And that same power that broke Jesus loose from the grave and resurrected, and Paul says, that power is in you. And I'm praying, he said, for you, church at Ephesus, for you, coastal church, I pray that you have a revelation of that power that's on the inside of you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.